you know, it's funny when I get sick, um, Welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, marriage, publishing, and parenting. I'm Morgan Baden, and with me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liga. Hey. Hi. Hi. So, there's really big news this week. Yeah. And I think it's all due to us. Well, you know, all I can say is for about three weeks on this podcast, we railed about the New York Times bestseller list for YA. And this I mean, there past were like protest week, signs. Yeah. We organized... And this past week, the New York Times has changed its ways and is now going to publish hardcover and paperback lists for middle grade and YA separately, which means that the, the, the era of the same 10 books appearing on the YA bestseller list for years on end is over. It is. And I don't know that we can say that it's directly attributable to us, but we complained about it for three weeks and they changed it after not changing it for years. So I don't think that's a coincidence. We're not saying it was us, but we're just saying. No, in all seriousness, though, it's really exciting. And when they announced it this past week, they released the first new lists as a result of the changes to the data. And I was... Beyond thrilled because there were actually titles on that list that I have never heard of. And there were new titles and I believe eight out of the ten were, were women. Yeah. This is really exciting. Who knew women could write books? Right? Especially yeah. children's books. Especially children's books. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> no, honestly. Congratulations, ladies. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just really excited about it. I think everyone's pretty excited about yeah. it. There was a really great blog post from Michael Boré. Um, explaining some of the changes. So we'll link to that in the show yep. notes. There Obviously, there have been a lot of think pieces about it and a lot of blog posts, but I, I thought this one in particular explained it really well. So yeah. we'll link to that. Um, and my favorite moment was when a good friend of mine who does not work in publishing, is not a writer, uh, said to me, I only know that this is exciting because I listen to your podcast. See, I, I think it was this podcast. <laughs> I, you know, not, not to toot our own horn, but yeah. <laughs> so that was great. So good news this week. Um, so I want to talk about something that's been on my mind for a few months now, actually, which is this idea of time. And I feel like I've been feeling like I wake up in the morning and I have about an hour and a half to two hours with the baby before I leave for work, depending on what time she's gotten up and on what time I have, whether or not I have a hard stop where I have to leave if I have an early meeting. And I feel like when I'm playing with her in the morning and feeding her in the morning, I'm counting down until I have to leave. Uh, And then I get to work and I'm counting down until I leave work to come home and see her. Right. And then I get home and I'm spending time with her and feeding her dinner and I'm counting down until I put her to bed. And then I put her to bed and I'm counting down until I get to go to bed. And then I go to sleep and I count down until I have to wake up in the morning. So it's, it's been this weird headspace and it's, you know, it's not like I'm not angst ridden about it, but it is something that I've been noticing this like sort of constant, steady, not being present and always waiting for the next thing. And not even necessarily in a bad way or a good way, just in a, I'm conscious of the fact that I have a limited window of time right here and so on. So that's just been on my mind. And then I'm reading a new book this week that has totally sort of revolutionized my thinking. Wow. I know. So the book is called, I know how she does it, how successful women make the most of their time by Laura Vanderkam. I actually can't even remember how I bought this book. It's nonfiction, obviously. I I feel like I say this all the time, and yet I do. But I, I never read nonfiction. <laughs> but I feel like I've been reading a lot of it over the past year or two. And um, I guess I just sort of 
I don't even know how I discovered this book, but it, it came up randomly and I purchased it. It was a good price. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And her whole premise really is about this idea that there are 168 hours in a week. And most of us are actually spending them pretty wisely. And her book is primarily focused on um, working women who earn above a certain pay grade because she, because that implies that they have high powered jobs Sure. and they all have at least one child under 18 at home. Okay. So she wanted to profile this particular set of women to figure out how they spend those 168 hours. Lots of really interesting insights there, but there's one in particular I want to read. When kids are babies, life naturally involves some hunkering down. People often make big, life-changing decisions when they are in the survival mode. But if you hang on, eventually you can fathom the future. You can afford to realize that part of achieving happiness in both work and life is feeling like your career is going somewhere. You're improving at your craft. You're broadening your scope one coffee at a time. There is great power in small wins. So anyway, I just really liked this notion. There's a lot, of course, about careers and about... The gist of the book is this idea that... um, most people think that they work more hours than they actually do. And she had people keep time logs for an entire week. It didn't matter when you started the time log, 3 a.m. on a Wednesday, whatever, as long as you finished at the same time a week later. And basically, people who think that they work 75 hours a week are only really working about 55. People who think they work 45 hours a week are actually only working about 35 and so on and so on. And like sort of the higher you get in terms of how many hours per week you think you're working, the, the more wrong you are. <laughs> so it was, it was really interesting and it's encouraged me to keep a log, a time log for an entire week. So I started okay. doing it on Friday um, and I'll report back next week just because I thought it was really interesting. But anyway, somewhere along my reading of this, it's made me rethink my counting down tendencies. Um, and I'm really excited about that. So anyway, as this is a long way of asking, but as a stay at home dad, Oh boy. Do you think of that? Like, do you, uh, do you count down until I get home? No. Well, it's interesting because when you first started talking about this about three hours ago, I had a very sharp memory of third grade. And I remember being in third grade and complaining about being in school and saying something like, I wish it was summer or okay. I wish it was winter break or whatever it was. And, uh, and the girl sitting next to me, whose name I cannot remember, whose face I cannot remember, but whose words I will always remember. And she must've heard this from an adult because no third, gra- <laughs> no, no third grader has this wisdom <laughs> looked at me and said, don't wish your life away. Someday you'll be older and you'll wish you had this moment back. Well, either she was some sort of old Zen, old soul Zen master that you did not realize, or yeah, she no, heard it from an adult. Clearly her parents had said this yeah. to her a bunch of times to <laughs> shut her up. And she memorized it and and pulled it out at the right moment. And I got to tell you, I've never forgotten, clearly never forgotten that. It's been a very long time since I was in third grade. And there have occasionally been times in my life when I have thought back and went, wow, I I would kill to have those moments back in third grade. Uh, So I try not to wish my life away. I really, I really try not to. I'm not very good at being in the moment, but I try to make value out of moments Mm -hmm. This can be a problem because, as we've talked about in the past, I feel this compulsive need to always be productive. Right. It's very difficult for me to just relax. I don't see that as being productive. Well, it's also difficult to be productive in the sense that you're used to being productive because when you are acting as a caregiver solely for the daytime, you being productive means keeping that kid alive. Sure, but <laughs> that, that doesn't feel productive. No, that, it doesn't. That, I know, that feels like the, the bare minimum that I'm supposed to I do know, throughout yeah. the day. And that was one of my problems when I was on maternity leave right. was this idea of like, 
I felt both too busy and also like I was not doing a damn thing and I right. couldn't figure out how to reconcile that. So, but to answer your question, I, I count down to little moments throughout the day. Okay. And I don't know if it's that I count down in terms of, gee, I can't wait until X, Y, or Z. Or if it's just that I go, okay, I have X number of minutes or hours uh, until this thing happens. Yeah, and that's so, a slight difference. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I tend to go to the gym at around 1130 on most days. So if if Leia is taking a nap and it's 930, I will go, okay, two hours until the gym what do I need to do? What will I do in those two hours? And usually it's, well, whenever she wakes up, I need to feed her. So, you know, I have some time to do something before she wakes up and then I'll feed her and then I'll get her ready and I'll get myself ready and we'll go to the gym. Mm -hmm. We'll be at the gym for an hour and I'll bring her home and I'll put her back down for a nap and I'll get a shower. And all these things take time. And, you know, I just, I sort of obsessively, you know, organize the day in my head and constantly revise it. As it goes on, it's sort of like, you know how if you're having trouble sleeping at night and you look over at the clock and yeah. you're like, oh, it's midnight. If I fall asleep right now, uh-huh. I'll get seven, seven hours, hours of sleep. sleep. Yeah. And then you look again and it's one o'clock. Oh, if I fall asleep yeah. right now, That's so you're, doable. Con- yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're constantly revising. Yeah. You're constantly revising the schedule based on time that's going by and what's happening. And I sort of do that obsessively throughout the day, every day where it's whatever I'm going to get done or need to get done or whatever is planned for the day, you know, every 15 minutes I'm recalibrating. Okay. That didn't take as long as I thought it would take. So now I have blank time to get to the next thing or wow, that took much longer than I thought it would take. So now I'm going to have to skip this or maybe if I do it in this order instead of that order, I can still get it all done. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the only time I actually count down is pretty much right around five o'clock. Every day, Uh, she has had her last nap. Yeah, she has eaten her last meal that you know she'll eat with me before you get home. Right, and we have done all the playing we can possibly do. (laughs) We've run all the errands. We've just we've done all the errands. We've just exhausted the day, (laughs) and it's still forty five minutes till mommy comes home. And that's when I just go, oh god, now what? (laughs) And And the answer is usually Springsteen. The answer is usually play some Springsteen and dance around the house with her. Yeah. And that's nice. Sometimes she will sit and play by herself for a little while and I will sort of sit down next to her while she plays with Uh something and I can just relax a little bit and that's nice. But yeah, that's when I sort of find myself looking at the clock every five minutes or so going, oh, it's only been five minutes. Yeah. Come on, get home, get home, Morgan. Um and then occasionally I'll get a, new, a text from you, you know, at like quarter like, quarter after left. five saying, I just left. And I'm like, no! <laughs> it's hard. I'm really, I feel like I used to be really good at being present and just appreciating the moments. And um, I, I do credit that to going to yoga regularly, which I am not currently doing, which I regret and need to get back into and have already oh, yeah. committed to doing so. But but I'm, I've always found that that truly does help me. Mentally, and um, you know, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's tough, and I know that you know that people have always said to me that time accelerates when you're a parent. It's and life. yeah, it does. We had a milestone this week. She Leia turned ten months on Saturday. I can't believe it, and and yet I can. <laughs> it it you know, on the one hand, it feels like we just brought her home from the hospital. On the other hand, it feels like we've had her forever. Right. It feels like she's yeah. always been here. Yeah. So. It's, you know, it's very difficult because you, you just need to get through each day. Yeah. And yet they just, each, each day sort of crawls, but then it's just, you look back and it's been forever. 
Yeah. It's it's really a fascinating time warp continuum thing going on when yeah. you're a parent. Yep. You know, they uh the days are slow, but the years are long. Right. We've said that before. And yes. It, it very much rings true. So anyway, um, the book is I Know How She Does It and How Successful Women Make the Most of Their Time. I will report back next week when I finish it. But I'm really, I think it's a super interesting experiment. I have a lot of friends who, um, I have a couple of friends who seem to work really long hours. Like I'm talking 10 p.m., 11 p.m. Yeah. And I don't quite get why right. they don't, you know, they're not working in like traditionally, it, they're not working in jobs that are known to work long hours. So, um, so I, I want them to try this experiment too, because sure. I'm willing to, to wager at this point that they actually are not working as much well, as I think they are. Yeah. And it's funny. And this is totally a side topic, but I just, I'll throw this out there. You know, you said that she had these people logging yeah. their hours whenever there's any sort of experiment yeah. out there or data out there that relies on people logging for yeah. themselves. I, there's this part of me that's always very skeptical about it yeah. because there's this human temptation. I think it's almost subconscious. I think we're not even aware of it to fudge yep. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you say somebody working 75 hours is really working 55, I think they're probably actually working less than that probably, and they're yeah. boosting it. I always feel like, I like if I were an experimenter in, in this area, I would never trust somebody logging their hours. I would insist on following them everywhere they go, and I would log <laughs> but also their hours like covertly, like not letting them know when you were going. Well, to Well, yeah, that's when you get into the whole Heisenberg thing, where observation affects the experiment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which they she says in this book, you know, um, did the women make an extra effort to spend more time with the kids, to read to their kids more, sure. often, et cetera, because they were because logging they it. were being, and that's it's probably true. Yeah. But even if you account for some sort of slight bias. That there, the numbers are much more balanced than than we're, than we're led to believe. Which, right. by the way, has a ton of consequences because it is this the narrative out there of that the working mom is super stressed and is constantly trying to balance and never spends enough time with her kids and is always letting things slide at work. And the numbers aren't really showing that so far. Yeah. So okay, anyway, super super interesting. I'm going to move into something else that was uh, a news topic this week. Okay, which is James Harrison, who is the Steelers linebacker. Ah, yes. He sort of railed against the idea of participation trophies for kids. Sort of. Yeah. What What did he do? He threw out his kids' participation trophies. Threw he came out. home. He came home. He saw that his kids had these participation trophies, and he said, basically, "Hell no, not in my house," and got rid of them. What were they for? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So, how do you feel about participation? Efforts? Oh, man. I, we're going to get hate mail. <laughs> I am generally against it. It's funny because there was an episode, of all things, of How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Where Marshall is very much against participation trophies, and he is coaching Lily's kindergarten basketball team. Uh, okay. And she is for participation trophies. And, you know, they play basketball. They don't even keep score. It's just all <laughs> about feeling good and enjoying playing basketball. And he's losing his mind because he's like, what's the point yeah. if you're not keeping score? And at the very end, his team has just been crushed, unbelievably, like 300 to nothing. And Lily gives him his participation trophy, and he sort of softens, and he's like, wow, you know, I worked really hard, and it's nice to be be recognized, even though I didn't win. So it seemed like the show was coming down on the side of these trophies as being nice things. And I will say that my brother told me he was against it until his daughter started getting them, and he realized it really is a nice thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sorry. The world is not a nice place. The world is not a nurturing place. The world is a competitive, difficult place. And I just feel like giving, like, it's, 
you know, we, we had the equivalent of participation trophies already. We have that idea that you congratulate kids for doing well. You know, we have the saying, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. You know, uh, you know, if a kid is playing baseball and hits the ball and gets thrown out at first base, does the coach say you should have run faster? He says, no, good hustle, good hustle. Okay. Right? He doesn't say you're an idiot for being thrown out. He says, good hustle. You congratulate the kid for doing what they're capable of doing. Uh-huh. And that's that's fine. Like, those sorts of morale builders and, and, and confidence boosters are fine. But I just think it's just taken to this whole new level where there are no losers. Don't keep score. Everybody's a winner. Everybody yeah. gets a trophy. It's like, you know, sorry, but, you know, to quote uh, Dash Incredible from the movie The Incredibles, if everybody's special, nobody's special. Yeah. Call me an elitist. Call me a horrible human being. You know, okay. hang, hang me hang me from the highest rooftop. Some people are better at things than other people. Well, I don't think and, anyone's denying that, though. And that's not really the point of participation trophies, is it? Well, but people are saying it doesn't matter that some people are better than other people at these things. Okay. They're saying no matter how good you are... The kid who's terrible is going to get a trophy, too. Yeah. And it's just, I, you know, no. I mean, yeah. let, let, let's celebrate people who are really good at certain things yeah. and celebrate people who are good at that other thing over there. And everybody's good at something, so everybody's going to get a chance to get celebrated at some point. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, obviously, historically, there have been times we've not recognized things right, that are right. worth celebrating. Yeah. You know, as far as I know, you know, in the 50s, no housewife ever got a gold medal for housework. Right. And God knows some of them should have, you know? Um and and so yeah, there have been been areas that have been overlooked. I think we're getting better at that. Yeah, and I think we'll continue I mean, I think to get better. It was better a trend for a while. Like participation trophies weren't a thing, and then they were a really big right. thing. And now I think we're sort of seeing. Some I hope there's here. sort of a backlash to yeah. it, as with everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just yeah. I'm generally anti. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think I would go as far as James Harrison here did and throw my kids out. But I would probably have a conversation with my kids. It's a difficult thing because yeah. you know your kid gets his trophy and feels good. Yeah. And then and what you do you want your kids to? Feel and then good. what do you do? Go. This means nothing and throw it out. Right. And then and then no. you've taken this thing that they've already assigned a value. To, yeah. And you've told them it's worthless and yeah. then they don't know how to feel. In his case, you know, it's interesting. He's a football player. Yeah. Like in football, you either win or you lose. You catch the pass or you don't catch the pass. There is no participation trophy. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I understand like a man who lives and dies by did I succeed, not did I do my best. Not did I but, show up. Right. Yeah. Did I succeed? Yeah, he would take that very personally. Yeah. You know? There's a part of me, though, you were saying earlier, like, it's a cruel world out there. Yeah, it is. So shouldn't we all be making little kids feel good? You know, there's there's that argument, too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but then again, there's the whole, is that really preparing them for what right. they're going to deal not. with? You yeah. know, that that's when you end up with parents Who call calling college professors, professors saying, yeah. you didn't give my kid the yeah. best grade. Yeah. It's like, excuse me? Yeah. Or go on job interviews with them. Right. Jesus, what is with you people? Yeah. yeah. I have, um, a, you know, it's funny. When I was a senior in high school, my twin sister and I were both varsity cheerleaders all four years of high school. And we were looking forward to being captain when we were seniors. And we were very good cheerleaders. So we thought there were going to be three or four captains because there were three or four of us who were really good and, like, the best. Um, and our coach decided to name every single senior a captain. What? So there were, I can't remember if there were six or eight, but there were... A ridiculous number of captains for a small varsity squad. Kelly and I ended up quitting. And part of the reason was like, really, you're going to name, you can't even, you can't even like ruffle feathers by actually picking the better right. cheerleaders to name captain. Like right. instead it's just, let's all be nice. And everyone deserves right. a captainship. Right. No, that's ridiculous. I mean, everybody, you know, I think 
Everybody deserves kindness, compassion, empathy, understanding, support, and encouragement. Everybody does not deserve to feel like they won when they didn't. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board with that. So let's talk about some writing stuff. What? What? All right. Writing stuff. Barry, you have news. Do I? Yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) So I sold a book. Insert cheers. I sold a book. I Yay! sold a book, which is which is nice. It is nice to sell books. It is better to sell <laughs> books than not to sell books. Um, I yeah, I, I sold my book that I was on submission with, and that's great. It, it's actually like really short. It's a short book. I don't think I've mentioned that before on yeah. the show. It's like one of the shortest books I've ever written, and uh, and that's very strange for me. But it's cool. <laughs> And uh, I'm not going to say much more yeah. because I, I have this superstition where I, I don't like to really talk about the book until until it's been announced officially, yeah. which has to wait until the contracts are all signed. And That can take a while. And pro tip for those of you out there struggling to get into publishing, contracts can take forever. I've had contracts take more than 14 months. Oh, my God. Which is insane. But, yeah, it can take a long time. So That's why, you know... Again, another pro tip: Don't quit your day job. Seriously, <laughs> on the promise of a contract. Seriously. So once the once the contract is signed, mm-hmm. uh, then I will announce the uh, the title of the book and what it's about. Yay! So yeah, I'm thrilled. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, I'm really really excited for this book to go. Out I in the world. I can't wait. I, you know, the most frustrating thing about being in publishing, yeah. is you write the book and you sell the book, and then you have to wait and wait and yeah. wait and wait and wait before that damn thing comes out. It yeah. takes forever. It's almost like you should get like a participation trophy just for for waiting all that long. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Participation National Book Award. There you go. I published a book. <laughs> Give me a National Book Award. <laughs> All right, good. And what else are you working on? Um, you know, still grinding away on those two short stories. I actually have been have been under the weather this past week. Yeah. Um, with a really, it, it's very strange. Usually when I get sick, I sort of like get congested and get a cold, and then it sort of moves down into my throat and then moves into my chest. And this time it just went straight to my chest. And I've just had this cough, and it's just yeah. really, like, worn me out. Yeah. So I've been going to bed early every night, which is really weird for me. It is. Like, I mean, really, really weird for me. So I've been going to bed early, and during the day when, when Leia is napping, instead of working, I've just been sort of sacking out on the sofa Good. and chilling out. Yeah. Um, so I have not gotten much done, but I am about to jump back into it. Great. Good. What about you? Things are going really well. I am... Insert applause. Insert applause. <laughs> of this morning, you know, again, the, the whole, oh my God, I have 20 minutes. Let's go write. Right. Yes. Like the, the found minutes perspective for writing, um, has really been working wonders for me and I'm genuinely enjoying it too. Like it's not, good, good. you know, it's not something, it's not a chore I have to do. It's yes. Let me go finish this. Um, I'm really close as of this morning. I'm about six, 60 pages away, I think. Wow. Yeah. And, um, definitely there will be some rewriting going on in these 60 pages, but, um, but it shouldn't be too bad. So I think, you know, I was just thinking this morning, like, okay, 60 pages. Well, I could literally do 10 pages a night and be done in a week. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's my goal. So, and then when you're done, I take it and I go check into a hotel <laughs> for two days and order room service and just read it and, and booze and booze. <laughs> yeah. I got to be plenty drunk when yeah, I read it. Yeah. yeah. So it's I good. can't wait to read it. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. And it's funny. I always, uh, I always know I'm approaching 
the end of a project when new things start firing up in my brain. Oh, and I've had really? a couple. Yeah, I've oh, had a couple cool. of new ideas. Um, and usually, for me, an, an idea isn't so much a premise. Like it's not like. I'm going to write about zombies in the forest. Um, instead, it's more like a, a conversation pops up in my head, and huh. I start having an actual conversation between two characters. Oh, interesting. And then that's usually where, like, the book stems from. So Really? I've, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I've had two of those happening. So, um, so I'm just, you know, so I'm like, settle down, guys. Simmer down. That's fascinating yeah, to me yeah. that that's how it comes to Yeah. You. It's never a premise. It's, it's two people. And some sort of hook that they're talking about. And that's really? where, uh, yeah. But that's interesting that it, it's a dialogue yeah, for you. Yeah. Huh. Usually. Okay. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's not dialogue. Sometimes it's just the character talking. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, do you use what the character yeah. is saying in the book? Or yeah. sometimes it's just not relevant? I mean, sometimes it's not relevant. But um, the oh, what was the opening chapter of the book that I'm editing now, which now I think is like chapter two or three, um, those for, the whole first two paragraphs were what initially came to me about the book. I actually remember where I was standing. I was standing in line for lunch, believe it or not, (laughs) at work. (laughs) Cool. In the sandwich line. And uh, this whole, like, thing came to me, and I was like, oh, that's a book. So, anyway. Anyway, so that's where I am. Almost done. Hopefully, this time next week, I I will be saying that... cannot wait. I'm done, and and you've got it. Cannot wait. Yeah, me too. Is it turning out to be longer now? I think it is. Um, I've actually been... I've added three whole new chapters. Oh wow! From a character, a new character's perspective—not oh. new, but uh, for, you know, from a character who did not have his own chapters before. Ah. And they're not long chapters at all. But um, but I feel like they're really anchoring some some themes that I had going oh, cool. on. So I'm excited. And yeah, so definitely cutting some stuff, but definitely definitely lengthening others. So I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look at an old version and see what the word count was. Yeah. Because I forgot to write it down in this right. this draft that I'm working on and. Um, and see what I end up with, because that's always interesting to look at. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait. Good. All right, what are you reading? Since I've been under the weather, when I get sick, I tend to regress. And, <laughs> and, and what I want to do is read comic books. books. Yeah. So my comic books are difficult to get to, but fortunately I've got a bunch of awesome graphic novels on the shelf. So I read uh, the, the Top Ten series by Alan Moore, Gene Ha, and Xander Cannon. And it's just so much fun. It is, the premise is imagine a city, it's this city called Neapolis, and everybody in this city is a superhero or a mad scientist or from an old monster movie. Like everybody, the panhandlers in the streets have got superpowers, every single person. And imagine being a cop in that city. And that's what it's about. It's like NYPD blue, but superheroes. (laughs) And they do this amazing job with the rhythms of a cop TV show, but in a comic book. They've even got, you know, on the cop TV shows, always, there's always that montage where they go to bust the drug dealer and they have music playing over the montage of them going after the drug dealer. They do that in a comic book with oh, no wow. sound. Yeah. But they've got, like, lyrics dr- drifting across the page, and it's That's so cool. well done. It's absolute genius. There's, uh, I read uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and then I read Top 10, The 49ers, which is a graphic novel that flashes back to 1949 when the city was built. Okay. And it's just really fun, wonderful comics. It, it you know, I hadn't read it in years, and every time I, I've reread it several times since it was first written, and every time I wish they would make more. They yeah. they just they didn't. They had a falling out, and they didn't they didn't make any more. And it's just brilliant, brilliant comics. So nice. I enjoyed it. Everybody should go read that. It's Great. a lot of fun. Good. 
Well, this week I finished uh, The Dead Girls of Hysteria Hall by Katie Allender. Okay. It was phenomenal. Yeah. I have... This is my second Katie Allender book I've read, and I've loved them both. And uh, I'm going to go do one of those things where you buy everything that she's ever written and read all of those, too. So I'm going to do that. Um, I, it was a really surprising book. I really liked the... There was a, there was a great twist that I did not see coming. And you and I read differently and watch movies differently in that you actively look for the twists, right? And you sort of well, try and figure them know, out. Well, you it depends. There are times where I'm so captivated by something that I lose myself in it and I don't look for those things. Okay. But generally, yeah, I'm I'm usually yeah. looking. And, and, you know, honestly, there are things that just jump out at me. Yeah. yeah. There are things that, that I just go, oh, wait, that's got to mean... Yeah. Like, they couldn't have just put that in there for no reason. It's got to connect. The only thing that could possibly mean is that later, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes. Sure. I don't actively look, but, like, my back brain is sort of looking when I'm reading. So, what normally happens is I feel like I've spotted it. And I'll be like, oh, I totally found that twist. And then I'm wrong. And then I'm excited that I'm wrong because I I want to be wrong. No, I always want to be surprised. Yeah. I always want to be caught off guard. Yeah. So I was, I was definitely caught off guard and I thought it was a great book. So, and, uh, now I'm, like I said earlier, in the middle of this nonfiction, um, sort of self-help thingy. I know how she does it. So. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's it for us this week. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. You can find more and our old episodes and our show notes this week at writinginreallife.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a rating. Last week, Barry walked you through how to do that. Yes. If you need help. You have no excuse now. Just listen to last (laughs) week's episode and it'll tell you. And you can find us on Twitter at at W-I-R-L podcast. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week, everyone. Bye.